Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. Lauren Eddy joined the Lifeline Children's Services staff in January of 2018 as a pregnancy counselor, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Lauren moved to Birmingham from Jackson, Mississippi, where she got her Bachelor of Social Work at Mississippi College and then continued her education by attending the University of Alabama for grad school. She's been a member of the Church of Brook Hills since 2015 and serves with the Birmingham Gospel Outreach. She's a two on the Enneagram, a puppy mom, and loves all things floral and coffee. Welcome, Lauren. Well, I like to start the podcast off with how are you surviving and how are you thriving this week? While you're thinking about it, I'll just go ahead and go first. So how am I surviving this week? Well, um, it's hard to say. I feel like surviving just in summer trying to continue a routine, trying to um, really set healthy boundaries, right? I think at times we just work and work and work, and it's so incredibly important to set time for yourself and the people that you love. And if you're always plugged in, (laughs) you're never unplugged. And so how can you really create your best work? And so that's just been an environment that I've been trying to Uh, thrive in, but currently still surviving in. And then, wow, I'm thriving because, well, this week it's my birthday. So excited. Um, I'd like to say I'm one year wiser, but who knows? Just in this season of uh, figuring out healthy relationships, figuring out boundaries, figuring out what I prioritize in life. And I feel like at this age, um, I feel like I'm starting to really kind of understand the priorities of, of what's important to me at least. And so just feeling really encouraged and blessed with um, where I'm at and, and excited to get to celebrate with the people I love. And so that's how I am surviving and thriving. And what about you, Lauren? How are you surviving and thriving this week? Oh, that's such a great question. Cause you know, you know, SK, I listen to the podcast every time it comes out. And so I know that this is something that you ask. And even still, I feel completely unprepared to answer this question. So I think one way that I'm just surviving is just, I've been really tired this week. And I think just, I, you know, you know, we, I suffer from some chronic health problems at times. And so it's just, sometimes it's hard to kind of push through knowing that there are things I want to do and things that I need to do, but not always feeling like I, my body is supporting that. And then I think one way that I'm thriving is just this week. I feel like I got a lot accomplished, got to spend some time with friends, got to spend some time with my family. My parents came in town and then also just feel like, you know, got some things done with work and had some great conversations with people. And so I feel like that's kind of how I'm thriving this week. So I love that. And I think that's so, so important. And so I'm glad to hear how you're surviving and thriving this week. And tell us a little bit more about your life in social work. So this girl is 
always doing the most and always lending a helping hand to anyone who needs it. But this is actually her profession too. And so tell us a little bit about why you got into social work to begin with. Yeah. So I will try to give you the summary of that. Pretty much my whole life, I have just felt called to help people, called to serve, called to do missions in some way, to share the gospel with people, to help vulnerable people. And so that's kind of formed just over the years. When I was in middle school, I went on my first mission trip and really just saw just a community of people who were really vulnerable. Saw a lot of children who were just struggling, whether it be single parent households or whether it be in education or whether it be with abuse or substance abuse, just all these different things. And I just remember coming home from that trip and telling my parents, this is what I am supposed to do. And so obviously that shaped over the years of like, what does that mean as a profession? Where do I feel like I'm being led? And that ended up with social work. I love the holistic approach of social work, how it's really looking at the whole person, looking at the community, looking at the systems behind that person and being relational and all of that. I love the fact that you went on a mission trip and that really is what kind of led you to where you are now. Well, I have to say this because this has been a pretty big deal this last year. So congratulations on being five years cancer free. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, so tell us about that season in life and what did you learn throughout this journey of, of being a survivor and kicking cancer's butt? Thanks SK. Yeah, it's been, it's been really exciting to be five years cancer free and it's definitely been a long journey. And so when I first got diagnosed with cancer, obviously it came as a surprise. You don't expect to be 26 years old and I had just gotten my master's degree and was just kind of starting out on my career in social work and then found out that I had cancer. And so it came as quite a surprise and the type of cancer that I had was considered to be rare in people my age. And so I think it came as a surprise to my doctors too. And so just kind of figuring out what does this mean? And I think a big question for me during that time even was just really in your twenties, I feel like you're figuring out your life, you're figuring out your job and your career and your relationships. And what do you believe outside of your parents? And so I think during that time, it was just a really big, okay, do I really trust God in this? And do I believe what I have always known that I believed growing up and do I believe in who he is and really trusting him? And so I think that was a big part of what I learned, but then also just realizing that sometimes things are hard, right? Things that um, things happen that we don't understand or we don't always know why it happened. But I think just pushing on through that and saying, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord, but also I'm going to see, you know, how is this going to impact my life? But then how can I use this to minister to others? Wow. You are just so incredibly strong. Um, I don't think any of us could necessarily just like, walk away from that and not be moved in some way and, and your life be completely turned upside down and kind of learning some hard lessons along the way. Who do you feel like was like your biggest support system during all of that? And, and how did you find just like the strength to keep moving and, and really just take the time, not only for yourself, but to really thrive, not only just survive in that situation to where you are now. So there have definitely been so many times where I've thought this is not fair. Let's just be honest, where you kind of stomp your feet and you just think this is not what I wanted. This is not what I would have chosen for myself. This is not where I thought that I would be. 
But I think in those moments, you just kind of get to this point where you just say, you know, okay, this is what's happening. And, you know, I, I don't even pretend to always understand, but just again, going back to trying to trust the Lord. And I think it's just been so sweet to see the support system that surrounded me. My family has been there for me and has walked through that with me so closely, but then also friends, you know, I even have a friend who I remember the day that I got diagnosed with cancer, taking off of work and showing up in my house with flowers and, you know, people who walked my dog, my, my family doesn't live locally. And so when I'm recovering or having surgery or going through different things, you know, people who came over and walked my dog every single day, provided meals you know, brought me gift bags, brought me a blanket, you know, whatever it was that I needed or whatever thing that they could do to encourage me. And, you know, people have, as I've had follow-up appointments and I've, I've had, you know, screenings and things like that, people who have just really supported with me, really held my hand, checked on me, been there. And even recently I had a party where so many people showed up and just celebrated the fact that I was five years cancer-free. And it was just so encouraging and almost overwhelming just to see the support and all these people who had walked with me throughout the years in some capacity showing up to celebrate that. I think when you go through something that difficult in life, I think it's really defining and it's really cool to hear that you have such a strong support system and even getting to celebrate five years and, and being able to see like, not just surviving in that season, but now being able to say, look, look, I'm thriving now. Like, look, this didn't define me. This didn't hold me down and anything or hold me back. If anything, it really propelled me into who I am today. And I think that's just a testament to who you are, Lauren. And, um, big fan and always love you. And I'm always in awe of just your strength. Well, thanks SK. So tell us a little bit more about your current role at Lifeline Children's Services and, and what do you love the most about it? Yeah. So this is something that I will say was not necessarily something I ever thought that I would be doing. It was kind of a role that I saw and I thought this might be the role for me and might be what I want to do, but it has really just over the years, I've just seen, this is really like my dream job. I just really love it. So my role at Lifeline is I am one of the pregnancy counselors in our Birmingham office. And really what that means is I walk with women who are facing unplanned pregnancies to consider their options and help them make a plan for what they're going to do. And then if they choose to make an adoption plan, then I'm able to walk through that whole process with them and facilitate them choosing a family, them considering an open adoption and what that means and really supporting them, providing grief services, things like that. And so really able to just walk hand in hand with women during a hard time in their life. And I think the thing that I love the most about it is just being able to sit with someone in a moment that is a crisis to them or a time that they feel overwhelmed. And even though I can't relate to that particular thing, I can relate to those moments in my life where you don't know what you're going to do and you need somebody to be there. And so being able to offer them that support, offer them the hope of the gospel and to be able to just walk alongside them in that and to say, hey, I'm in your corner and I'm an advocate for you. That is what I absolutely love about that job. She makes it sound super easy and simple, right? Like she is literally like boots on the ground working with women who come from really tough backgrounds and hard situations and really caring for them in a way that maybe some people never have. And so tell us a little bit more about 
you know, some of the most defining experience or, or most impactful experience um, that you've had while being a pregnancy counselor? Oh, SK, that is a tough question. So many things when you ask that just instantly start running through my mind. You know, I think one of the things about this role is I can picture so many faces and think of so many names in my head of just people over the years that I have encountered in this job who I've had the pleasure of walking alongside and There are some days that are really hard that you think, wow, I'm exhausted. This is hard. Maybe they're yelling at you because they don't have anybody else in the world. And it's a really hard situation and they don't, and you're the person that's safe, that they can say the things, the really hard things to, or yell at. And there are days where the emotions are hard and you're feeling like, I don't know how I'm going to keep doing this and carrying the weight. But I think Then you have those moments where you get to hold their baby after they've delivered, or you get to hear somebody say, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I'm so glad I got connected to you guys or, you know, just situations where you see somebody who's hopeless, maybe find hope, just being able to be just a small part of that and saying, you know, you know, I don't know where they'll be in years to come necessarily, but just to be able to be that small part of their story. And I just think about some of the girls that I think have changed me probably more than I've made an impact in their life, just because, you know, of their resilience and their ability to take a really hard situation and do the hardest thing sometimes of making an adoption plan and placing their child in someone else's arms because they believe that's what's best. And just to see that sacrifice, I mean, they're the real heroes. And so I think that has been really impactful. That's not a specific story, but just has been really impactful to see that. That's just really humbling to hear, you know, just tough situations, tough stories. And kind of in in lieu of that, like what has been like one story for you? And of course, you know, confidentiality is important. So like not using their name or whatever, but maybe a story that you've just really walked away from and like, wow, like that is just incredible. Just the, the level of sacrifice and love. You know, one of the things that I get to do in my job is just really sit down and build that relationship and really hear women's stories. And there are so many times where I hear her story and I just think, wow, that is so hard. And the fact that she is continuing. And like I said, so many that stay with me and one specific story that really, I think just stands out to me is a little bit more recent. So I'll keep it you know, pretty vague because I do want to honor her confidentiality and her story, but just this one girl who is so young and has had so many things stacked against her, just death in her family, foster care, being in the system, being bounced around, trying to get on her feet, now finds herself pregnant. And there's so many other pieces to her story too. And just sitting across from us, just I don't know what to do and just feeling so backed in a corner and just really doesn't have people, does not have a support system. And it has been, you know, I don't know what the outcome to the story will be. I don't know, you know, what the future holds for her, but just seeing 
even just recently of just even how pregnancy resource centers have come alongside her. The church has come alongside her. We're able to walk with her to even see just how people are showing her that she matters. And I think that is such a big theme that I see with every single girl that I work with is just this undertone of shame and this undertone of feeling like they don't have value and feeling like this situation that they're in defines them. And just to see just the undertones of it could be as simple as someone paying a bill for a girl or as simple as, you know, just sitting and listening to her story for a few minutes. But even those things communicate to her that you have value, you matter and your story matters. And so I just, that girl has been on my mind so much lately because I've just been thinking about, you know, we all make mistakes, obviously, and we've all do things that get us into situations, but to look at someone who was really just dealt such a hard hand of cards and really, you know, from the outside looking in doesn't seem to be set up for success, but to see her resilience and to see how she continues to stand up and continues to fight and continues to do things that are hard. And then to see people be able to wrap around alongside her and to just say, you, you do matter and we're here to help. You're not alone. That has just really impacted me lately. I hope that anybody who's listening, I hope that that's encouraging to you. Like, I hope that you hear that story and you think, one, ask yourself, how can I be involved in helping women in vulnerable places, helping children in vulnerable places? So that's the first thing that I'd love for you to think through is like, how can I get involved in being part of that? But then also, I just want that to be encouraging to you that you're not alone if you're in a hard place because we all have things that we go through and there's so many different degrees of what we go through and everybody has their own story. And while there are times that I look at stories and I think just like SK, you just said, you know, just like, okay, wow, that's really hard. And maybe that's worse, you know, but also I think if you're going through something hard, even if someone else is going through something harder, that doesn't negate that your thing is hard. Right. Or, that your thing is just as hard because it impacts your life and it makes an impact on your life. And so, I don't know, I think about, I guess I just think about the degrees and I think about like, yes, be encouraged that you're not alone, be encouraged that you can make it and you can do it and to keep fighting, but also know that you're not alone if you're going through something hard. And just because it may seem like something, somebody else is going through something in your mind that's harder doesn't mean that you can't talk about what you're going through. doesn't mean that you don't deserve to get support, that you don't deserve to be cared for and that you matter, your story matters and what you're going through matters. And I'm glad that you said that because I think that sometimes we can, we can get comparative in that. And I think that what you just said is spot on. So I'm glad that you added that in there. Looking back, if you had written a letter and placed it in a time capsule, what would you have told your younger self? bringing the heat man sk just coming in with all the hard questions that is such a great question i think a couple of things i think the first things that come to my mind is just you're gonna go through so many things that are hard so many things 
but just keep trusting the Lord and keep trusting your family and your friends. I think sometimes when we go through hard things and even now, sometimes in my life, it's really easy to just distrust situations and to people and to think that it's just not fair. And I definitely have not figured it all out. There are definitely so many days where I think that and wish that things were different, but I think I would tell myself to just keep diving in, keep, keep going, keep fighting, keep staying in the word, keep building relationships with friends, doing all those things and to just go for it. I think that's one thing I would tell myself is just go for it. Whatever you want, sky's the limit, just try. But I think one thing that I would tell myself too, is just, I think sometimes, especially as an Enneagram too, I think sometimes I can just get so in my head of like, I want to be vulnerable and I want to share these things, but I also want people to like me. And, you know, how are people going to see me if I do this? And have I served people enough? Have I earned it enough? And I think I would just tell that girl that you matter. And I think that's kind of become the theme of this podcast almost. But I think I would just tell her, like, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself worthy. You have value and, and just be yourself. And you don't have to be anxious about what people are always thinking about you all the time. And honestly, I feel like I'm talking to my present day self just as much because I sometimes say things or do things. And I think, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? And I did it because I was anxious about what people thought about me, but then I become more anxious about what people think about me because I'm not even being true to myself. And so I think just you know, letting some of that fade away and just being who you are. Yes. Wise words to live by. I love that. Easier said than done, but I love it. And and kind of in in lieu of that, like what is the best piece of advice that you've been given over the years and how are you living it out? So there are so many things that I could probably say. And there's this part of me that wants to stay here for an hour and think about the perfect answer and think about what is the most impactful, biggest thing I've ever been told. But I think that I can even just draw on something recently that someone told me. And it's someone told me to think about what is it that, what is it that's a desire and what is it that is an expectation and what are the difference between desires and expectations? And just thinking about The fact that desires are good, desires are something that we long for, that we want, and it's okay to desire for that thing. And it's okay to be sad if that desire doesn't happen, but that desire doesn't have to happen. And so not expecting it, whereas expectations are things that are good. You should expect somebody to do that. And you should expect that someone treat you a certain way or right. And so she just really challenged me with that because sometimes I can kind of get into my head about these are the things that I just long for. And these are the things I want and just grieving when those things don't happen. And so really thinking of it in that way, and I'm still thinking of it, I'm still wrestling through that and thinking through, okay, what are expectations and what are desires and what is it that, um, you know, it's okay for me to want, but it's not okay for me to put on other people versus what are things that I can say like, Hey, no, this is how you should be acting, or this is an expectation, or this is what we should all be doing. And hopefully that didn't just get really confusing talking about that. Cause that's something that I'm still wrapping my head around, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately 
of what that looks like. I think that's a great point. I think we always can get wrapped up in desire versus expectation and even sometimes failing to communicate the expectation, right. And that have repercussions. Um, and so I think that's, that's makes a lot of sense. And I think that's something that people continue to, to wrap their brain around and trying to process and figure out what that means for them. So I think that's brilliant. I have to ask this question because I think it's a really important question. And again, like this is something I'm still working through, but how do you prioritize self-care? Like, what does that look like for you, Lauren? That is, again, such a great question. I I need to stop saying that because I feel like I've said that on every single one. Thinking about that question, I just think about so many times that I have not done this well and so many times that I could do this better. And it's a constant battle figuring out the boundary versus ministry and what we're called to in the gospel. And I think I just struggle with that. Sometimes I struggle, even as a two on the Enneagram, I struggle with this sense of, okay, I want to give and I want to be sacrificial and I love you so much. And so I want to be there, but when, when is it okay to say I can't? And when is it okay to, you know, prioritize self-care versus Sometimes I think we can use it as a cop-out almost of like, oh, well, I need to prioritize me or I need to have boundaries here. And so I think it's always asking myself the question of, you know, how am I taking care of myself and when do I need to say no? And when is it okay to say no versus when is maybe a time that I need to just sacrifice my desires or what I wanted to be able to serve and be there for someone else. And I think a big piece of that for me over the years has been learning that, you know, I'm not God, right. I'm not their savior. And so thinking through the fact, especially in social work, there's always going to be more to do. There's always people who are hurting and being able to walk away and go home at night and say, okay, I don't love that person more than God loves that person. And I'm not working harder than God's working. I can't be all things to all people. And that's something that me and some of my friends joke about sometimes because, I try to be all things to all people. And the reality is I just can't. And so I'm still learning that balance every single day. I feel like of prioritizing what I need and being able to say no and put those boundaries in place. And so I think it's just challenging myself all the time to say, okay, when is it okay to say no? And, and to say, Hey, I'm not going to be able to give anything else to people if I'm not prioritizing rest or spending time with the Lord or self-care or whatever it is versus making sure that I'm not using that as a way to just be me centered. All right. Now it's time for the leading ladies. We love rapid fire game. Get excited. I get so nervous. You got this. The rapid fire game is just a list of adjectives. And this is a really great chance to shout out uh, women who are killing it in their industry and their community um, at home. And so Lauren, I would love for you to shout out some of the people that come to mind as I list out these adjectives. Are you ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First word is resilient. So I think I have to give this one to my friend Raquel Pounderson. She is so resilient in so many ways. So she is the executive director of Oak Tree Ministries and she lives in East Lake and she's just doing so many incredible things and in just a really, really hard time. And so she is 
you know, just being in the forefront of racial reconciliation, caring for vulnerable people. I mean, I could go on and on about the things that she's doing. Next word is humble. I could probably name a few people with this word, but one that comes to my mind is just my friend, Emily Griffin. And she is just so smart and so funny and so kind and just does so many things really well. And it's just someone that you want to be around, someone you want to know. But yet she is so humble. You know, anytime that you just say anything and it's not that she diminishes herself or that she puts herself down, but just this genuine humbleness about her that's like, no, you know, and it's just really sweet to get to be her friend. Next word is brilliant. Okay, I'm going to give a shout out here to my friend, Rachel Getz. She is so smart, y'all. I cannot even tell you. I mean, she just is so knowledgeable. She is just really smart in just how she learns things, how she thinks through things, how she shares information. Next word, inspiring. I think one person that I find inspiring is Sonia Martin. So she works for Lifeline as well, and I've gotten to know her a little bit recently, but she is just incredible. If you hear her story and just look at her life, but then look at how she's serving. It's like one of those situations where you're just like, wow, like I want to grow up to be like her, uh, you know, I want to be doing all the things when I get older. And so I think that's just something that's just someone that is always inspiring me just how she loves the Lord, how she is, does social work so well, how she's super knowledgeable, how she cares for others and just how she's fun to be around. All right. Last word is leader. So I think I'm actually going to give a shout out to my mom for this one because she was in town this weekend and I was just talking with her about some of the things and she's the director of a child development center and on staff at her church. And she it's just someone that her staff trust and someone that they go to to share their stories with and to walk alongside. But then also, you know, she's just such an advocate for the kids that they serve and for her teachers. And well, that is the end of our rapid fire game. Great job, Lauren. Whew, I got a little nervous there, but we made it. <laughs> You did awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, before we go, how can our listeners follow you? What is your shameless plug? Yeah, so I have a personal Instagram that you are welcome to follow me on, but then I also have a handle, just I period choose period hope. And so I'd love to have you follow me. I'm just always so blown away by you and just your ability to really communicate like what God has called you to do. And and how you continue to glorify him and everything that you do. And so thank you so much for your time and your um, love and constant support. Just excited to have you on today and, and look forward to what's next. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.